This is Morning Edition on NHPR. I'm Rick Ganley, and it's time for the New Hampshire News Recap. Let's get into this week's top headlines. New Hampshire's largest utility has announced that prices for electricity are expected to spike later this summer. What's causing the price hikes and what are state officials doing about it? Governor Sununu recently signed a bill into law that would create affidavit bills for the first time in New Hampshire. It's already seeing legal challenges from voting rights groups. And joining us now to talk about all of that and more are New Hampshire Bulletin's Amanda Goki and In-Depth New Hampshire's Paula Tracy. Good morning to you both. Good morning. Good morning. Good to have you both uh, remotely here this morning. Eversource and Liberty Utilities have announced plans to raise their electricity prices for consumers here in New Hampshire. A lot of grumbling about that. It looks like folks will start to see their monthly bills go up in August. Paula, let's start with you. How much of an increase are we talking about here? Unfortunately, Rick, it's going to be big. It's about a 50% increase in the supply portion of bills for the next six months. So if you have a $100 bill um, a month, it'll be 150 so a total of $300 increase for the next six months. Liberty and Eversource are not the only ones um, looking for an increase. New Hampshire Electric will go before its board of directors to ask for a rate increase on June 28th. But Unitil is kind of different. It's on the seacoast in the Concord area. They went to the PUC earlier um, in the summer for their rate, their summer rate um, increase, um, and those are in place till December 1. Uh, and Amanda, can you talk about what's behind these hikes? Why, why do the utilities say that they need to raise these prices? So natural gas prices are projected to increase dramatically in the coming months, and that's driving the high cost of electricity. There is a particular pinch on natural gas in the winter months, and the rates that are being proposed right now would, as Paula mentioned, start in August and run through some of those colder months when natural gas is both used to heat homes and power them. Mm -hmm. Um, Energy experts say that the ongoing impact of COVID, increased demand for energy, and the war in Ukraine are responsible for driving this increase in the cost of fossil fuels. And it also has meant that a lot of the U.S.'s supply of natural gas is getting exported. So that leaves states like New Hampshire to compete with European countries and what they're willing to pay for the fuel. Um, as we're seeing some sanctions on uh, Russian exports. Mm-hmm. Um, utilities say that they need to raise the prices because that's the the going rate of energy um, right now, just as a result of these global market factors. The utilities don't mark up the cost of energy, so they don't make a profit on it. Um, so this is just a, a pass-through of, of what they're able to get on the, on the market that they're passing along to customers, unfortunately. And of course, we, we often uh, hear how here in the Northeast, especially particularly New Hampshire, we have some of the highest electricity rates in the nation. Governor Sununu announced a plan earlier this week that he says will help offset these costs for some consumers. Paula, tell us more about that. Yes. On uh, Wednesday, the governor announced a $100 million plan to help most all 600 thousand of the customers in the state with a one-time $100 rate credit on their electric bills starting this fall. That will cost about $60 million and would come from uh, the state surplus funds requiring legislative authorization. There will be no need for anybody to apply for that rate credit. It'll just appear on their bill. And does that have bipartisan support? Um, yeah, I, I don't know about bipartisan support, um, but I do um, know that the governor was flanked by both um, the president of the Senate and the House Speaker who talked about um, their support for that measure. So it's obviously a popular measure. 
I would imagine so. <laughs> Amanda, you reported this week that clean energy advocates were not very impressed with this plan, saying it doesn't address the larger problem that the state is, is too dependent on natural gas and fossil fuel to begin with. Uh, what else did you hear from them? Yeah, so clean energy advocates definitely acknowledged that, you know, a one-time $100 payment would blunt the the impact of these rate hikes. Um, but there's just a general sense of frustration that this money isn't being invested in a way that could bring down costs in the future. They point to neighboring states like Maine, which recently invested $300 million in energy efficiency and energy efficiency can lower demand for electricity, um, and that would help keep prices down for everyone. Um, Sam Evans-Brown, the executive director of Clean Energy New Hampshire, pointed out that the $60 million that's going into one-time payments of $100 is practically the budget of NH saves, which is the state energy efficiency programs, and that money... Um, invested in the program yields a return of $3 for each dollar invested. Um, so there's some skepticism about how the this approach will address the longer term issue, especially as the cost of natural gas is not expected to go down anytime soon. Mm -hmm. This is Morning Edition from NHPR. We're recapping this week's news with in-depth New Hampshire's Paula Tracy and New Hampshire Bulletin's Amanda Goki. What questions do you have about what's been going on in the state? You can always let us know and help inform our coverage. You can email us at voices at nhpr.org. Let us know what uh, is on your mind and what you'd like us to, to report on. Let's turn our attention to another issue now. Governor Chris Sununu signing a bill into law last week that would create affidavit ballots for the first time in New Hampshire. And we need to explain this. Amanda, what's the purpose of affidavit ballots and, and how would this change the current voting process? And overall, who is it going to affect? So the Republicans who sponsored and, and championed this legislation intended it to ensure that only people who are supposed to be voting in New Hampshire are able to do so. And the governor and the secretary of state have both said repeatedly, you know, there's, there's no evidence of widespread voter fraud. Um, so what this bill would do, this new law would force people who are registering to same day vote when they're voting for the first time in New Hampshire to mail in a copy of their ID if they don't bring it with them um, to the polls. So if somebody votes and then fails to mail in a copy of their ID, their vote would get thrown out. So this has also been called a provisional ballot. Mm -hmm. um, right now, people who forget their ID or don't have an ID can sign an affidavit that says they are who they say they are. Um, and there are punishments for lying about that, that voting rights groups and the ACLU have said are, are strict enough to deter people from lying. The new law gives voters seven days to mail in their ID, but then there's up to a 14 day period that the state has to actually finalize the results of the election. That's led to some concerns that this could impact members of the military who are voting overseas since there's such a tight timeline to get absentee ballots to them after primary elections and before the general election. Mm -hmm. and, and would this bill affect the upcoming elections this fall? It would not. This new law um, won't affect the 2022 primary or general election. It's scheduled to take effect January 1st, uh, 2023. 
Okay. And almost immediately, I know two lawsuits have been filed challenging the law, one by the Washington-based uh, Elias Law Group, the other by the ACLU of New Hampshire. What's their argument? So the Elias Law Group lawsuit is arguing that the bill will hamper the right to vote and that it violates the state constitutional requirement that town election officials report election results within five days of the election. The lawsuit brought by the ACLU argues that the law is unconstitutional because it would diminish the secrecy of ballots by tying the name of the voter to the issues and candidates they voted for on their ballot. Um, They also argue that it creates unnecessary roadblocks that would make it harder for people to vote. We'll be watching more on that, obviously, and uh, reporting back uh, in future recaps and, of course, um, throughout uh, throughout the days to come here. I want to turn my, our attention to something else that's uh, in the news. Something It's an update, actually. Do you remember the Rocks, that 1,400-acre forest reservation in Bethlehem? It's owned and managed by the Society for the Protection of New Hampshire Forests. And, Paula, you know, there was a fire a few years back, which we, we had a lot of news about at the time. It damaged some of the property there. I want to ask if you can remind us what happened there. Yeah, um, a fire in the winter of 2019 destroyed the four-story tool building on the property. It was the largest building on the property and had a commanding view of the presidential range. It gave the statewide organization a pause to consider what to do next. And now the Forest Society is making some new plans for the site. What's happening? Uh, They've decided to rebuild the existing carriage house on the property um, and um, have embarked on an $8.5 million um, plan uh, for renovation of the property. And what's it going to be used for? Well, it's going to be a new North Country Conservation Center, um, and it's going to have a space for education, events, an office space that will invite other um, conservation organizations to come and use to collaborate. Um, it's go- they're still going to keep the Concord headquarters, but it will provide a, um, a head post for them to be closer to the mountains uh, and, the, and the woods that they're trying to protect. It's a, it's a gorgeous piece of property, definitely. Yes, yeah. and yesterday was wonderful. Um, there was a horse-drawn... Uh, um, I guess it would be a wagon that pulled up next to a bus full of um, people that had come from out of state um, to tour the property. Uh, and they l- landed right where the old um, building was. And they just got out, and there's just this gorgeous sweeping view of the mountains. That's what they wanted um, to protect um, that view and um, have moved sort of the buildings up and uh, tucked in so that you can take in that breathtaking spot. Certainly impressive. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I want to turn uh, to to another issue here. New Hampshire receiving money from the federal government that could help boost state and municipal recycling programs. Uh, Amanda, what are, what are the kinds of challenges facing recycling programs across the state that we're hearing about? I spoke with Brian Patno, and he runs a transfer station in, in Lancaster, also up in the in the North Country. He said that materials are ending up in the landfill because the North Country doesn't have a recycling facility that can process them. It's too far and too expensive to drive to the southern part of the state that does have such a facility. And plus, it would generate a lot of greenhouse gas emissions. So for Patno, he didn't see that as a good option. He was talking about things like like wood and sheetrock that ideally could be actually repurposed instead of going into the trash. Um, And this comes at a time when solid waste has been a really big issue in the state as there's been discussions of siting a new new landfill in the North Country and a lot of opposition to that. Um, 
landfill space is is limited and um, keeping materials out of the landfill is, is obviously a way of preventing um, expanding landfill capacity. So how could this this federal funding help out? So the funding could help municipality, municipalities buy equipment and infrastructure that they need. A lot of these smaller towns do what's called source-separated recycling, where they have the people come in and, and separate the glass from the cardboard, from the plastics they're using. But they need a lot of storage space because they have to gather and accumulate those materials until they have enough to sell them on the market, where hopefully, in most cases, they're able to earn some money for that that goes back to supporting their their um, programs they also need things like balers which are basically used to compress those materials into really compact um, squares so that they can store them more effectively right yeah we'll be watching more about that of course and see where that funding goes and uh, i want to thank you both new hampshire bulletins of metagoki and in-depth new hampshire paula tracy thanks for joining us this morning on the recap Thank you. Thank you for having us. You can find more of their work always at NewHampshireBulletin.com and IndepthNH.org. I'm Rick Anley, and this is Morning Edition on NHPR.